0: and laughs theater of the mind the best love programs from radio's golden age only on zoomer radio now here is your master storyteller frank proctor
1: well thank you and welcome to the show tonight we're going to hop along with hop along cassidy Uh, A range war develops, and uh, Hoppy and California arrive in time to save a friend from certain death. Hopalong Cassidy, a western that was greater than The Roy Rogers Show or Gene Autry's Melody Ranch. Hoppy was a hero to one and all. He and his side cook, California Carlson, roamed the Southwest in thrilling stories week after week. And almost every tale had a little mystery in it, and almost every story ended with Hoppy's boisterous laugh. Clarence Mulford, the author of the Hopalong Cassidy stories created a hard-fisted, rough-and-tough cowboy, nowhere near the like of the lovable Hoppy of the movies and the radio series. He became a hero in black and on a white horse, a superhero of the West. He rescued damsels and cowboys in trouble, along with ranchers and bankers and railroad owners always against the bad guys, robbers, thieves, rustlers, and the like. The radio series, that was a hard sell, and the owners could find no takers. When this series began, it was offered to the various networks, and they wanted nothing to do with it. So the owners had to sell it to do syndication, but a short time after that, it became extremely successful, and later it was heard on the Mutual and CBS networks. The show ranked number 7 in the 1949 Nielsen Ratings. The Mutual Broadcasting System began broadcasting a radio version of Hopalong Cassidy in January of 1950, and at the end of September, the show moved to CBS Radio, where it ran well into 1952. Tonight's episode, The Frightened Town.
2: With action and suspense out of the Old West comes the most famous hero of them all, Hopalong Cassidy, starring William Boyd. The ring of the silver spurs harrows the most amazing man ever to ride the prairies of the early west. Hopalong Cassidy, the same hoppy you cheer in motion pictures, and the same California you've laughed at a million times. Raw courage and quick shooting have built a legend around this famous hero. Hopalong is a name to be feared, respected, and admired. For this great cowboy rides the trails of adventure and excitement. William Boyd as Hopalong Cassidy and Andy Clyde as California. Well, Hoppy, what about our story?
3: This one we call the frightened town. It was a day of heat. It was hotter than an oven. In the town of Bledsoe, there was no movement out in the open. Even the door of the saloon hung limply, sagging on its hinges. There was hatred here and violence in the making, embedded in the brains of men who faced one another from opposite ends of the dusty street. There were dozens of them, rivals in a range war. And on the porch of the hotel, a woman shed tears and spoke bitterly <laughs> to a man who held in his hand a small black
2: bag.
0: <laughs> and I said, you have to think of me. I'm a, I'm a doctor. <laughs> Down the street, there's a man who's been hurt. I'm obliged to go to him. But you'll never get there. You've been told you'll be shot if you step into the street. I'm a doctor. I'm obliged to go. Even though it means making a widow out of me. Saxon might not have <laughs> meant what he said. Saxon always means what he says. He'll shoot you down like a dog the moment you set foot off the porch. Just the same. <laughs> morning, Doc. Hello, Cassidy.
3: And good morning to you, ma'am. Or maybe I should say Good afternoon. I slept so late. I've got no idea what time it is. We rode practically all night to get here. California and I... Uh, say, uh, am I interrupting something between you two? No, Cassidy. I have a call to make, that's all. I'm going to make it now.
0: Oh, John, wait!
3: There is something wrong, isn't there? There's something wrong with the whole town. Yes, there's a lot wrong. The town is split apart. Stuart Saxon and his riders are holding one end, and the Lane brothers and their men are holding the other. Now, how did that ever come about? Well, both outfits rode in about two hours ago. That means they finally decided to find it out.
0: It means more than that. It means my husband is going to lose his life. Just because he insists on going over to Clemens barn. I have to go, Cassidy.
3: Ralph Lane is over there with a bullet in his chest. No reason why you shouldn't go, is there?
0: There's every reason. Stuart Saxon was here when John got the message. He promised John he'd be shot if he set foot in the street.
3: So we talked <laughs> enough. Ralph Lane could die just because of delay. I'm going right now. Wait a second, Doc. The way Stu Saxon hates the lane, he's likely to carry out that threat if you walk right down the middle of the street. I've got to get to that barn. There's a more sensible way of going about it. You can climb over the side of this porch and flip through Bradshaw's door, and we'd only have a short dash across the street.
0: You mean you'll go with my husband, Mr. Cassidy? You'll help him?
3: Well, Ralph Lane is sort of a friend of mine. Maybe I'd be helping him a little, too. Come on, Doc. This thing seems a little funny to me, Doc. Those two outfits never seem to want to show down before. I wonder what's done into them all of a sudden. Best string sores have to come to a head sooner or later. Here, Doc, through the sores. Well, if it ain't hop along city. And he comes sneaking in my side door. Well, they tell me that's the only safe way to go moving around this town right now, Marty. That's right. That sure is right. Well, oh. <coughs> Still lifting those heavy sacks, Marty, huh? I warned you about that. I'm not going to hurt myself, Doc. I lift a pony without hurting myself. Well, what can I do for you, Jen? Nothing right now, Marty. We're just passing through to Clemens barn. You mean you're gonna try crossing that street? That's it. Well, it's your next, I guess. Range wars. Why don't they plant them out in the grass somewhere? Look what it does to me. I get in the first shipment of flour I've had in months. And there ain't been a stroll in here to buy any. Everybody's scared. Except them sweat-lathered galoots that think they have to shoot something out. All set, Doc. All set, Ketley. What's the plan? We'll make a run for it, but not together. I'll go first to that corner by the barber shop. I'll tell you from there. But don't start till I signal. <laughs> Ought to be one of us sitting in this uh, barber chair, don't you think, Mr. Saxon? Make it look uh, natural. Never mind that. Keep watching. Ralph Lane is hurt, and I intend to see that he stays that way. That doctor shows himself. I want him gunned down. Mister what is it? Man fixing to come across. Cassidy, bar twenty. Let him come. I don't care about anybody but that doctor. You men wait for him and then don't miss.
2: Now back to Hopalong Cassidy and our story, the frightened town. Hoppy crouches a moment along the side wall of the barber shop. his breath a little hurried from his dash across the street. He looks up and down, is about to lift his arm in a signal to the doctor, when a voice reaches out to him from halfway down the alley.
3: Hoppy, what do you think you do?
2: California.
3: Where'd you come from? Oh, I've been kicking around, and I know something that maybe you ought to know. Yeah? What's yeah. that? This is a mad dog's town, and you've got no business cashing across the street like that. I got a job to do. I'd better be taking care of it. Now hold it, Hopier. Well, now what? Before you do anything, maybe you ought to know that two Saxons in this here barbershop with three of his guns linked. California. There are times when you a right-handy fellow to have around. Yeah. Uh, what's your plan now, Hoppy? Well, my hair isn't too long, but I could use a haircut. So I think I'll step inside and see if I can get one. Oh, Hoppy! Hoppy, wait! Uh... All right, Cassidy, what do you want? Well, if it isn't Doad Wintrum... Two of your friends, though Strangers around here, aren't they? You've heard of them, Cassidy. Jeff Ennis from Abilene, Kansas, and Rev. Maxwell from Texas. Sure, I've heard of them. And I don't think it's too Saxon hired him to punch cattle. Where is Saxon, by the way? He was here, but he left. Why? Nothing important. Where's the barber? He left, too. Oh. The doc? Yeah. I think he's going to make a run for us. We got our orders. What kind of orders, Dode? Stay out of this, Cassidy. I wouldn't want anything to happen to Doc Morgan, now or at any other time. Like I said, we got our orders. I said we're too hot to worry about orders. We are working for Stu Saxon, Cassidy. If you're smart, you'll back out of here while you're still on your feet. I'm staying, Dode. I got a personal interest in Doc Morgan's welfare. Start, Dog, he's gonna start. Let Ennis take him with his rifle. I'll watch Cassidy. I'm warning you, Doge. Don't try to stop us. Oh, why you Watch it, Maxwell. I ain't making a move. I'm all right, California. Yeah, yeah, you're all right, but Wintram ain't so good and that other fellow. What about the doc? Yeah, he come running across the street and duck over to Clemens barn. Why? Uh, Was this all about him? They were going to kill him.
4: John!
0: John, where are you?
4: He's
3: all right, Mrs. Morgan.
0: John. They shot him, didn't they?
3: Your husband's all right, Mrs.
0: Morgan. And where is he? He's over
3: at barn, ma'am.
0: I've seen him go there. Oh, I want to go to him. I never should have let him come along. But I get so afraid.
3: We can go to him, Mrs. Morgan. I get so
0: afraid. Oh, why can't these men do their fighting away from town? Away from our homes and children.
3: That's a good question, Mrs. Morgan. Maybe we should ask them. Let's go over to Clemens' barn and see what Leif Lane has to say about it.
2: Get that shirt.
3: It's the doc's wife. And hop along, Cassidy. Let him in.
4: Is my husband here, Mr. Lane? Is
0: he
3: all right? Now he's here, ma'am, and he's all right. Working on my brother. What was that shooting a while ago?
0: Oh, some men tried to kill my husband. Hop along, Cassidy, Stockton. And
3: I'll bet he did it permanent. Glad to have you around, Hoppy. Hello, Leif. How's your brother? Better after the doc. That's uh, a bad wound, but he's going to be all right. I'm relieved to see you still alive, Cassidy. I heard those shots. What kind of a prey was it, Hoppy? It's all the same to you, Leif. I'd rather talk about something else. Catch his what? You like this town, don't you? Sure I like it. Why? Why didn't you arrange to fight Saxons out somewhere else? Why didn't I? Oh, now hold on, Hoppy. You talk as if I planned this get-together. Tuesday happens to be my regular day to come to town. Do you always bring 20 riders with you? If my men want to come, they come. It's up to them. But if you think I want them to get shot up, you're crazy. Why, Ralph and I need every hand we have to drive beef to Abilene. If we don't make that drive in a few weeks, Ralph and I are going broke. Then leave town right now. Get your outfit out of here. Hey, you know I can't do that, Hoppy. I'd be called yellow from here to Rio Grande. Anyway, I'm I'm here to buy food. Why, Marty Bradshaw's got a new shipment of flour. It's the first we had in weeks. We need bacon and coffee. Why, Boy, my boys have been eating beef eating <laughs> for breakfast. Would you agree to a toast, Lane? Truce? Sure. I'd agree to a truce if Saxon would. Those don't sound like they're making to the truce to me. It's Marty Bradshaw, boss. Yeah, yeah, it's Marty Bradshaw, and I've got trouble for you late. You can't bring me any more trouble than I already have. That's where you're wrong. It is up to you to decide what's going to happen to this town. What are you talking about? I've got a message for you. The fella just came into the store with it. Do Saxons swore about Hopalong Cassidy gunning down two of his men. He says you've got to turn Cassidy over to him inside of an hour. It'll be 45 minutes from now. And if I don't? And Saxon says he's going to set fire to the whole golden town.
2: Now back to Hopalong Cassidy and our story... The Frightened Town. A message has just been delivered to the camp of Late Lane and his riders. A demand that Hoppy be turned over to Stu Saxon to answer for the shooting of two of Saxon's gunmen.
4: You can't do it, Mr. Lane. It would be downright murder.
2: I have no
3: intention of doing it, Mrs. Morgan. Hopper Cassidy stays right here. Ah, wait a minute. Let's talk this over sensibly. How can you be sensible with a mad dog? That's just the point. Two Saxon is all riled up. You cross him on this, he might do like he says. Set fire to the town. Let him burn it up. I'm not turning you over. But I know what I am gonna do. Chuck, get the boys all together in a bunch. I am. All right. Mind tell me your plan, Leif? We'll he'll check and say he'd wait an hour. Well, he's gonna get something inside of an hour. I'm take my boys up the street, right at him. You'd be wiped out. Just the same. Just the same. Why don't you listen to me? Whether we like it or not, Saxon has to have his way. Oh, Now, listen up. And he's going to have his way. He's going to see me. I'm not going to be delivered to him. I'm going in under my own power and in my own way. Puppy, well, you can't do it. I don't aim to let you do it. Uh, maybe Hoppy's got a plan late. Sure, I got a plan. I want a chance to talk to Stu Saxon. I'm not going to let you do it. Quiet down, you old coyote. What I do with my own time is my own affair. Right now, I'm paying a visit on Stu Saxon. Where's he staked out, Marty? Emmett Saloon. Fine. I'm thirsty. Give me a chance to get a glass of start for I'm coming with you, Hoppy. Well, uh, let's get going then, California. <laughs> What is it, California? I uh, don't think you're playing it smart walking along here this way. Why not? Saxon said he wanted to see me, and I'm obliging him. Well, maybe, but uh, I think I saw him. California, I see what you mean. Seems to me that delivering myself into the presence of Sue Saxon isn't going to be as simple as he made it sound. Off. I'm trying to talk here and I can't hear myself think. Where's Maxwell? I'm right here, Saxon. There's something about you I can't quite figure out. Yeah? What's that? You let Cassidy plant slugs in both Wintram and Jeff Ennis, you don't do anything about it. Saxon, it's like I told you before I wasn't wearing a pistol. And I stood three jumps from my shot. You ride into this town for a showdown fight. You go around with nothing but a rifle. I've been saving a sore leg. That's why I've been leaving off my though. I see you got it on now. That's right. And the next time Cassidy and me come together, it'll be different. Why make anything different? Cassidy! Why not keep everything calm and peaceful? I'm wearing a gun, too, Maxwell. I'm wearing two guns. But I won't grab for them if everybody will stay relaxed. How did you get in here? I heard you wanted to see me. So I came up an alley and over a fence. Then I climbed in a window. California? I'm in back here, huh? That's what I wanted to know. Maxwell? Yeah. You just said that the next time you and Cassidy come together, it'd be different. That's right. That's good. It looks like the time.
0: That's right.
3: Good. And now you're wearing a pistol.
0: That's right.
3: And we're waiting, Maxwell. All right, Cassidy. Make your play. I came here for talking, not gunfighting. Make your play, Cassidy. Don't be foolish, Maxwell. No need for us to kill one another. All right. If you want to take your chance, I'll take mine. (laughs) Oh! (laughs) You (laughs) see, Jackson? I... Go, J.A.P. <laughs> you push a lot of power, Saxon. not to force a man to go to his death. Weber! Barney, Don't move any of you. I got guns in my hands and I'm going to keep them there. You don't think you're going to get out of here alive, do you, Cassidy? I said I came here to talk. I still feel the same way. All right. Talk. You had no call to force the lanes into a fight. They haven't been crowding you. Me? Me? Force them into a fight? You don't know what you're talking about. They set up this showdown. They came into town to get food. That's the only reason. Yeah. you think so? And read this note I got from Lake Lane, Vegas, California. Sure, sure, but uh, I, I ain't so good at this, huh? You do all right. What does it say? Let's see. Uh, Stu sex. I dare you to bring your outfit into town for showdown. I'll be there with my boys on Tuesday. Lace Lane. That's right. He'd come to me sealed up as fancy as a valentine. Now, what do you say to that, Cassidy? Well, I can't believe it. Lace Lane said he wanted no part of a fight. And he's a liar. And there's the proof in black and white. Suppose someone else wrote this letter. I'm one of them who wanted you in the lane if I have a showdown. Why would anyone want to do that? I don't know. I'm going to try to find out. You make a bargain with me? I'm not bargaining with anybody. Let me make a point, Saxon. It would be all wrong to force a big fight in this town. There's too many women and children here. That can't be helped. It can be helped by calling off the fight. That's impossible. Suppose Leif Lane didn't write this note. Would you be willing to call it off then? What for? Running to some kind of a trick? The well, lane's never pulled a trick in their lives, and you know it. I'm not making any bargain. All right. Now, how what's the idea of putting away your guns? I'm putting them away to give Saxon the same break Maxwell was willing to give me. Show off your guns, Saxon. Yeah, you're you're crazy. I'm waiting, Saxon. I'll say it again, Saxon. I'm waiting. I don't stand a chance with you. If every man here knows that. Then bargain with me. All right? What you faith I'll take this letter to Lay Lane. If he gives his word that he didn't write it, you're to call off the fight. All right? I agree. <laughs> shot from up the street? Yeah, I hear him. I'll give odds that was hop along Cassidy getting a dose of lead poisoning. Maybe. Two shots. One for Cassidy and one for his pal. I don't know. But we ain't gonna take that land down, are we, boss? Cassidy has my promise not to do anything till he gets back. You heard them shots. Cassidy ain't coming back. First it's your brother and now it's Cassidy and his pal. That Saxon ombre is tipping us off one by one just because we stayed holed up in here and don't do nothing about it. Well, now, take it easy. Oh, we've been taking it easy for almost half a day. You've got us all with you, boss. Let's move in and take that Saxon outfit apart. I promised Cassidy I'd wait for him. You heard them shots. What more do you have to know? Give us the word. That's all I'm asking. Well, let me take a look outside. Come on. You think you're going to see Cassidy again? You're wrong. Cassidy didn't want the town shut up. Cassidy is dead. Either the town or us. Take a look up that street. You don't see him there, do you? No. I don't see him, but I... Chuck, oh, sure. I'm here. Curly, Ben, give me a hand. One hand. One second second. Let's get him inside. Come on, swing that door, Curly. Where's the doc? I'm right here, Chuck. Put him down on that pile of hay. Hold him easy, Ben. Easy.
0: Oh, John, he's badly hurt.
3: One of you men put a fire under some more water. Ask your wife to do that, will you, Doc? Me and the boys, we've got another job on tap. We're going to tie into Saxon and his gang. No.
4: No, that's just what Mr. Cassidy didn't want.
3: Begging your pardon, ma'am. I'm boss now, and I say we fight him. They've hurt Ralph and Lace Lane. They've killed Hopalong Cassidy. Oh, I wouldn't say that, Chuck. Mr. Cassidy. Thanks, heaven. What's been going on? I Heard a shot on the way over. They plugged the boss. Plugged him bad. What about it, Doc? A bullet on his upper arm. Went into his chest. Wound similar to his brother. Can he talk? Stop now, Cassidy. He's unconscious. Hoppy, me and the boys are going after Saxon. I was thinking you might want to join us. Lace wouldn't want you to go after Saxon. Lace ain't going to hold anybody to that now, Hoppy. Not after Saxon gunned him down. Bradshaw's right. We're calling for a showdown. What was Lace doing when he was shot? Standing outside with me, looking up the street toward Emmett's saloon. And it doesn't look as though Saxon's outfit, did it? What do you what do you mean? The doc said the bullet went through Leif's arm and into his chest. What are you getting at, Happy? Leif was shot from the side, the right side. Which means the shot couldn't have come from up the street. But it could have come from one of the stores. Maybe even yours, Marty. My store? Yeah, I guess it could. When of Saxon's boys must have taken himself out there. Where were you when Lake was shot? In here. I've been here ever since you left. Why? What, Mrs. Morgan?
0: Nothing. I, I just thought Marty left
3: for a few minutes. Oh no, Mrs. Morgan. This barn is so dark. You just didn't see me over at the other end. Mind if I have a look at the inside of your store, Marty? I'd be glad to have you take a look at it. Come on. <coughs> What do you expect to find in my store, Cassidy? Well, if the Lane Brothers were shot from one of your windows, there might just be a rifle lying around that did the job. I sure would like to get that cleared up. It isn't helping my business. This dude has to be stopped quickly before more people have lead in them. After you, Cassidy. Oh, hey, what else, Don't try to pull away, Cassidy, or I'll break your arm. And I've got the power to do it. You ought to know that. You ain't going to do so well without your guns, are you, Cassidy? What do you expect the game by this, Bradshaw? Time to get away. Let them pound out there. This place was built to keep people out when I didn't want them in. Right now it's locked up from cellar to roof. You'll never get away, Marty. Won't I? Tie uh, you up with some of this rope. Let this place a fire and I'll have all the excitement I need. All I need to cover me. You're a strong man, Marty, but right now you're taking on too much work. <laughs> you still feel powerful, Marty? For that, I'm going to tear you apart. <laughs> Hoppy! Hoppy, you all right? Yeah. Come on in, boys. Marty Bradshaw's holding open house.
2: Now, back to hop along, Cassidy.
3: Hello, Cassidy. How's Late doing, Doc? Oh, he's conscious now. Here, yeah, I'm looking around again, Hoppy. Thanks to the doc, what's doing? I just talked with Sue Saxon, taking his boys out of town. And it might be that if you got together with him sometime, the pair used to patch up your argument. Sure. You've done a great job, Bobby. Now, there's something I wish I could figure out. What's that, Chuck? Why Marty Bradshaw would want to start a fight. Well, I still don't know how right I am. I've had the feeling that things went wrong with the Lane Ranch. Marty Bradshaw stood to profit by it. Why, sure he did. Marty's been holding a short-term note of ours. That's why he's been so worried about getting that beef to Marcus. Oh, so that was it. Marty figured that by prodding us into a showdown with Saxon, he could mess up everything and make the ranch go broke. Yeah, yeah, but how'd you happen to know it was uh, Marty Bradshaw, Hoppy? Well, California was that note he sent to Stu Saxon, all sealed up fancy-like. You know what it was sealed with? Huh? Oh, uh, the doggone. You don't mean... That's right. Flour and water. And nobody else has had any flour around here for weeks. Marty Bradshaw told us that himself.
1: Stay tuned for The Fred Allen Show, next on Theater of the Mind. The Fred Allen Show was a popular and long-running American old-time radio comedy program that ran for 17 years. Now, the memorable feud between Fred Allen and Jack Benny of the Jello program began on a 1936 episode of Town Hall Tonight. For a decade, the two exchanged insults on both men's shows so convincingly that fans of either show might have believed they really had become blood enemies. In fact, the two men were very good friends and admired each other greatly. Benny and Alan often appeared on each other's shows during the feud, both in the uh, acknowledged guest spot and surprise cameos from time to time as well. On one Christmas program, Alan thanked Benny for sending him a Christmas tree and then added that the tree had died. Alan quipped, "'Well, what do you expect when the tree is in Brooklyn and the sap is in Hollywood?' (laughs) <laughs> Benny in his memoir, Sunday Nights at 7, and Alan in his memoir, Treadmill to Oblivion, revealed that both comedians' writing staff often met together to plot the direction of the mock feud. The comedians planned to settle their f- fictional feud on March the 21st of 1937 during a broadcast of Jack Benny show from the Hotel Pierre in New York. But the event never transpired, and the trade of insults continued for years. So let's get ready to take a stroll down Allen's Alley along with the rest of the cast and the Fred Allen Show with special guest, Frank Sinatra.
5: Mr. Allen! Mr. Allen! It isn't Hildegard, kiddies.
6: The makers of Tenderleaf Tea and Blue Bonnet Margarine present the Brett Allen Show with Brett's guest, Frank Sinatra, Portland Hopper, Minerva Pius, Mrs. Nussbaum, the Tenderleaf Workshop Players, the DeMarco Sisters, and Al Goodman and his orchestra. And to the lady who sent me the anonymous fan letter, my name is Kenny Delmar. (laughs) This week, ladies and gentlemen, our victorious naval forces have been coming home on battleships, cruisers, and carriers. Tonight another flat top has just arrived and here he
5: is Fred Allen Thank you and good evening ladies and gentlemen well Kenny I hope you are celebrating the uh, fleet's return Oh yes Fred Well, New York has gone all out to welcome the navy Oh I know last night they had 80 men rocking the Astor Hotel to make the sailors feel at home who we are sleeping <laughs> And in that picture at Music Hall you know weekend at the Waldorf they took out Walter Pigeon and put in a seagull just for the Navy. <laughs> Wish oh, some of the Navy had come in to laugh at these jokes, you know. <laughs> well, uh, wasn't Jack Benny in the Navy, Fred? Jack Benny in the Navy? Oh, that was before water was even invented. <laughs> They had the H, but they were waiting for the two O's to come out of the Ark in those days. Oh, thank you. you know that Benny is the only sailor I know who can get seasick looking at a bundle of wet wash? <laughs> Benny was in the only naval engagement of the Civil War.
6: Oh, you mean the monitor and the Merrimack?
5: Benny was on the monitor. When the lookout yelled, Ahoy, the Merrimack's astern, Benny said, have them sing something. <laughs> you think it would have worked better with four chicks in a chuck? If it... <laughs>
7: You know, if Benny...
5: If Benny was a... If Benny was a sailor... Mr. Uh,
7: Allen, Mr. Allen. Well, Portland... Jesus.
5: You're just in, You're just in time, Portland. Kenny and I were discussing the arrival of the Navy. Oh,
7: everybody's celebrating. Oh, I
5: know that.
7: Admiral Halsey was on Bob Hope's program last week.
5: Yes, Admiral Halsey is braver than I thought. <laughs>
7: at the end of Bob's program? Well, why did
5: Admiral Halsey come on at the end of the Bob Hope program?
7: He's a rear admiral.
4: <laughs> All right, it,
5: it's your joke. You enjoy it.
1: <laughs> Tell
5: me, is your is your mother going to participate in the Navy Day festivities?
7: Mama's going to be in the parade of ships.
5: Oh, she's going as Hesperus to Hesperus, is she?
7: No. Her
5: new corset, huh? Mom is going as old
7: Ironside. Oh. (laughs) Say,
5: I hope she doesn't carry the impersonation too far. How? Well, if your mother thinks she's old Ironside, she may try to back into some dry dock and get scraped for (laughs) (laughs) Barnacle.
8: And
7: speaking of
5: Barnacles, I wonder if everything is ship-shaped down in Allen's Alley.
7: Have you a question for them,
5: sir? Oh, you bet. You know, since gasoline rationing has ended, traffic congestion in the larger cities has become one of the nation's greatest problems. And so our question is, how is the traffic dilemma affecting you? Shall we go? As the two sticks said when they saw the Tom Tom, let's beat it. (laughs) Ah, it's so good to be back in Allen's Alley again, Portland. I wonder if the senator is in tonight. Let's see.
6: Somebody, I say, somebody thumped on my door. Yes, Senator. I represent the solid South. Well, I know. I loaned Mason and Dixon the chalk the day they drew the line. Well, I uh... speak up, son. Out with it. Speak up, up that ear. Well, look. You'll never uh, get anywhere staying silent. Well, if you did... don't try to be another Coolidge, son. <laughs>
5: Look, Senator, tell me How are traffic conditions in Washington?
6: We're investigating Congressman Coffee is boiling Well well, Coffee's boiling, that's a joke, son
8: Pay attention,
6: son Be on your toes Well, I'm doing it. Yeah, you keep missing them, son (laughs)
5: Senator, look The streets are filled with cars What is the solution of the nation's traffic problem?
6: One, I say one-way traffic one-way traffic. Yeah, eh? Mondays all traffic moves only to the east. Yes. Tuesdays all traffic moves only to the west. Yes. Wednesdays east, Thursdays west. Uh-uh. Now wait a
5: minute, Senator.
6: What about the north and south? Son, that was settled by
5: the
7: Civil War. <laughs> oh. Yeah, well, so long. So, <laughs> so long, that is. <laughs>
5: you through the keyhole Senator the Senator dropped a picture of Jefferson Davis. oh well I'll give it to him next Sunday. now let's see what happens here at this next door.
7: Sorry, bub well,
5: <laughs> well Mr. Moody you uh, you look a little tired tonight.
7: yeah I've been on the go all day busy huh yeah I'm working for a tree surgeon tree surgeon. I go around leaving Kleenex under weeping Willard.
5: Not so messy a feel that way, is it? Well, tell me, Mr. Moody, how do you account for this traffic problem? So many automobiles.
7: It's progress, bub. Progress? Yeah. Hoover said he'd put a car in every garage. Yes. Truman's got two cars parked in front of every house.
5: What do you think is causing the parking trouble, uh, Mr. Moody?
7: Oh, it's the housing shortage. The housing shortage, huh? Uh, folks is living in garages and putting their cars out on the street. Well, how are we going to
5: cope with this traffic problem, Mr. Moody?
7: I'm a pedestrian.
5: And your solution is?
7: Every motorist should drop dead. Come so on, Bob. Well, <laughs> yeah, I think
5: Mr. Moody ought to get in touch with the mayor or Campbell's to sell. Now, let's try this next door. No. Ah, uh, Mrs. Nussbaum.
4: You were expecting maybe Commissar Muzzletop?
5: <laughs> Tell me, Mrs. N., are you concerned with the traffic problem?
4: Indubitably. If you pardon
5: expression. Oh, naturally.
4: <laughs> well,
5: how, how are you concerned?
4: Well, every Friday I'm inviting all my relatives for a big fish dinner. I see. I'm calling downtown the Fulton Fish Market. Uh-huh. Mr. Fulton is driving up town with twenty sturgeon. Oh.
5: The whole dinner is nothing but sturgeon, huh?
4: Well, the sturgeon I'm cooking all different kinds. Styles.
5: Oh, good, good.
4: <laughs> sturgeon a la King. Yes. Yeah. Sturgeon Cachapari. Oh. That's... <laughs> uh also Sturgeon Fu Yang. <laughs> Sturgeon Burgers. Sturgeon Burgers. You, uh, you have,
5: with the dinner, you have dessert? For dessert,
4: I'm, stu- I'm serving sturgeon a la mode. Stur-
5: sturgeon went upstream in the sentence there.
4: Sturgeon,
5: you're serving sturgeon a la mode?
4: This is a baked sturgeon. And as a cold sturgeon.
5: A la mode. Well, with this traffic congestion, Mr. Fulton can't drive up to the Bronx, can he? It
4: is impossible. Well,
5: how does he get your fish uptown?
4: Every Friday, Mr. Fulton downtown is throwing 20 sturgeon in the Hudson River. Well,
5: how do the 20 sturgeon find their way up to the
4: Bronx? Ah, Mr. Fulton is throwing in a herring and yelling, Boys, follow him!
5: Well, that brings us to the last house in the alley. Hello, Hello, we're here to say hello. Just a minute, just a minute, boys. Before you get into your theme song, tell me, have you written any new songs for us this week?
7: Have you heard? I put a blank check in my pajamas at night in case I have to buy that dream. No. Have you heard? My Irene's the village queen, but she's always taking them to dream. No. We We also wrote a blues song.
5: Blue song, what is it called?
7: I got, got to walking up Fifth Avenue, crossing 59th Street, stepping over the gutter on my way uptown Blues.
5: Now look, boys, look.
7: <laughs> look, tonight we, we happen to be mulling
5: over the traffic problem.
7: We, we got, got just the song you want. Traffic song? How does it go? Yes, Jim. <laughs> <laughs> if you're a motorist in New York, you can't drive your car a block. In the traffic, you get jammed. And you're and you get rammed. Don't just sit there at the wheel, looking like a fictional meal. Take a tip from me, use the BMW, and sell your Oldsmobile.
5: If you'll step into the junior Misses Department, we'll meet the five DeMarco sisters with Maestro Al Goodman at the baton, the DeMarco sing, the Acheson Topeka, and the you know what. <laughs>
8: Here I
5: Goodman has just played I Wish from the song I Wish I Knew. (laughs) Mr. Goodman's band numbers have something in common with his horses. They never finish either. And now, uh, say, Portland, will you put down the red herringbone carpet for our guest?
7: Who's coming tonight? Well, we
5: have a great surprise tonight, Portland. Last week, as you possibly read in the papers, a New York policeman made his first appearance as an opera star at the Civic Center. He was a great success. Now, tonight, we have another unknown singing sensation, John Charles Muckenfuss. Does he
8: work for the city, too? Oh, yes, for
5: many years. John Charles Muckenfuss is known as the singing street cleaner. <laughs> well, where did you find him? Well, I was going down to see that new picture guest wife at the Criterion. Claudette Colbert is in it, and Don Amici is also in the picture, and he doesn't invent anything. And I thought it might be a novelty To go in and see the picture And as I arrived at the front of the theater From behind a large can I heard a beautiful voice It was John Charles
7: This must be Mr. Muckenfuss now Get ready, you
5: take his broom and helmet, Portland
7: Okay Come in
9: uh, friends, uh, is this the Tenderleaf a Tea Program? Yes. Oh, it is? Oh, that's peachy. Uh, then you must be Fred Allen. Yes, that's yeah. true. Well, if you're Fred Allen, you're just the man I want to see, and... Well, well I don't exactly uh, want to see you it because you're not very pretty to look. Now, wait a minute. Just wait a minute. Wait a minute, bud. Who are you? Well, I am Ursula Twain. Uh, yes, Ursula Twain. And I am a lawyer.
5: You're a lawyer?
9: Yes. Yeah. Uh, do you want to feel my briefcase? Well, no, no, no. no. Take your word well, for I it. I am, I am a lawyer, all right. And my last case uh, was Delt versus the Acme Poultry Market. The Acme
5: Poultry? Uh,
9: no, it was. Yes, it was. Yes, the yes, Acme, yes, all right. Yes, it was, yeah. And my client, Mrs. Delt, was buying a live chicken, and after the chicken had been weighed, it laid an egg.
5: So what?
9: <laughs> well, uh, the poultry market claimed the egg, and so I, I sued, and the court ruled caveat emptor, and so the egg was put back in the chicken. The
5: egg was put back. <laughs> well, all right, so the egg is back in the chicken. What has all this got to do with me?
9: Uh, well, you're, you're in grave trouble, Mr. A. Allen. Yes, not exactly grave, really, either, because I don't think it'll send you that far No But, uh, no, but my client is suing
5: Your client?
9: Yes, Charlie McCarthy uh, Tonight, uh, you appeared on Edgar Bergen's program and the yes, That's and I true. didn't and, and you said... Uh, it <laughs>
5: makes no sense, then, No, now, and no
9: it said... <laughs> and, and you said uh, too much, and you said some very nasty things about Charlie And you've just driven that little boy into a tizzy Oh, I have, huh? And, uh, yes, and, and you're a very bad boy
5: Now, look here, Twing. You and Charlie McCarthy don't scare me. I'll fight this thing through to the Supreme Court. And if that doesn't work, I'll go right over Frankfurter's head straight to Mr. District Attorney. Well,
9: uh, you can, as far as I'm concerned, you can go straight to, a to uh, now, I... any, uh, no, anywhere you want. But I was here to, ser- to serve you with a, a subpoena. <laughs> Subpoena. And uh, if you you had better, uh, you, you are ordered to appear in, in court next Sunday, and you had better be there too, Sparty. If you had anything left over from the other program, put it in here, you know. We can always. say <laughs> I'm supposed to
5: appear in court, and what happens if I don't show up?
9: Well, if you don't show up, uh, you know what happened to Pierre Laval? Boom, boom. Viva la Charlie McCarthy. <laughs>
7: really going to sue you, Mr. Well, Malice. look at
5: this summons here. It says trial will be held on this program next Sunday. Why, that little wooden runt. I ought to pull his legs off and make lollipop sticks out of him. I ought to go back over there again.
7: This must be John Charles Muckenfuss, the singing street Say cleaner. it probably is. Come in.
5: Well, who are you, son? I'm Frank Sinatra. I'm sorry I haven't time to talk now, son. I'm expecting John Charles Muckenfuss, the singing street cleaner. Well, Mr. Muckenfuss sent me over. See, he can't make it. He got an emergency call. A street cleaner getting an emergency call? On 10th Avenue. It was a rush job. (laughs) Gad! here we are on the air, and our guest star is over on 10th Avenue performing a (laughs) broomectomy. Well, Mr. Allen, Mr. Muckenfuss said maybe I could take his place. Well, I'm sorry, son. You know this isn't one of those quiz programs where any schnook can come in off the street and take over the microphone. We only use stars. Yes, sir. It's uh, nothing personal, you understand? Oh, I understand, sir. We can only use people with talent. I have talent. Really? Yeah. Who said so? My mother. Oh. Well, tell me, would you uh, would you step just a little closer to the microphone, son, if you will? I'm sorry, is this all right? Uh, Just a little farther back, if you will, please See, I don't seem to get the hang of it No, it's a little difficult Have you been on the radio before, son? Well, yes, I've been on once or twice Oh, really? What did you say your name was again? Sinatra 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 You're not related to Sam Sinatra (laughs) No I used to know a Sam Sinatra up in New Rochelle He was a glass blower and an optician's up there (laughs) If people came in with dirty glasses and couldn't see to get out of the store, Sam would blow on the glasses.
10: No, I don't know Sam. No, I, I don't know him. I'm Frank Sinatra. You're Frank
5: Sinatra. And you say you're in radio? Yes, I'm on for old gold cigarettes. Oh, are you the guy who squeezes the honey out of the apple on that? No, you see, I do the same Frank Sinatra Hey, you weren't formerly with the Yacht Club boy. <laughs> I see a, a little brine on your lapel there No, uh I had sour pickle for lunch. Oh, did you? You shouldn't eat pickles with those short arms, son. <laughs> the dill drips on you. See, I have the same trouble with sodas. You know, I have a short neck and I can't reach the straws. Oh, really? Could... Well, how do you drink a soda?
10: I pour it out. pour the soda out on the counter, lap it up. Oh, stupid! <laughs> I lost that. Up. I...
5: <laughs> I have short teeth. Every time I bite a hot dog, all I get is a mouthful of mustard. I.
10: <laughs> you know, once I knew a guy with a. Once I knew a guy with a short nose He couldn't smell anything Unless he put his face
5: in it Oh, really? Well, this is all mighty, mighty interesting, Mr. Sinatra Oh, Sinatra Gosh, it's going to, it's going to disappoint millions of music lovers John Charles Fuss, the singing street cleaner, not here I wonder how long he'll be over there on 10th Avenue yeah, He said it looked like a long session Long session, eh? The cowboys from Rodeo are parading okay.
7: fuss
5: us may be tied up all night. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah, and right here in the program, we're supposed to have a song. I can sing a number, Mr. Allen. Well, all right, son, we're stuck. You've got me over a barrel. What do you want to sing? Uh, how about, it might as well be spring. All right, but, uh, don't drag it out, son. I'll try my best.
10: Restless As a willow in a windstorm I'm as jumpy as a puppet on a string I'd say that I had spring fever But I know it isn't spring I am starry-eyed and vaguely discontented Like a nightingale without a song to sing Why should I have spring fever When it isn't even spring I keep wishing I were somewhere else Walking down a strange new street Girl I've yet to meet. I'm as busy as a spider spinning daydreams. I'm as giddy as a baby on a swing. I haven't seen a crocus or a rosebud. I feel so gay in a melancholy way that it might as well be spring it might.
7: That voice, Frankie,
5: I didn't even recognize you before. Why didn't you tell me? Gosh, how time flies to think that I started you on your career.
7: Yeah, I remember when I came to you for advice. Oh,
5: you wanted to know whether you should take up singing or open a haberdasher store in Kansas City. Yeah, and you told me to stick to singing. Ah, who knows? If you had opened that haberdasher store in Kansas City, today you might be president. Oh, I couldn't be President Fred I can't play the piano Oh, that's... Well, tell me, Frank (laughs) That singing you just did Is that the type of thing you're doing on the radio? Yes Don't you think my style is possibilities, Fred? Yes, Frank But you have to think of the future You know you're not getting any younger, son Mm -hmm. New boys are coming along Perry Como, Dick Hames Common Lombardo Frank Munn and the others (laughs) I think I see what you mean, Fred Uh... Where will I be 50 years from now? That's probably what your insurance company would like to know. (laughs) But if we're going to stay in radio, Frank, there's only one kind of a program we can do when we're old men. Fred, you mean... Hillbilly. Mm -hmm. Frank, hillbilly singers don't ripen until they're 80. I know I've been in warm studios (laughs) with... But, Fred... Gee whiz, are not a hillbilly after all. Ah, don't worry, Frank. I can fix everything. I know the king of the hillbillies, Zeke Manor. Oh, ah, I can see it all, Frankie. Fifty years from now, nineteen ninety-five, we're broadcasting from a little two-watt station in Nutley, New Jersey. You and I are standing there in our bare
7: feet, our, uh, with our floppy hats. Zeke Manners steps to the microphone and says, Howdy folks, Zeke Manners and his happy hillbillies are on the air! Let her rip! <laughs> Crick Choir, Uncle Jeff, Lulee Bell, the Hokey Mountain Boys, and those hillbilly twins, Happy Sinatra and Uncle Hezzy Allen! First, I want you to meet Lulee Bell! Yahoo! Howdy, folks! These shoes these are killing me! Yeah! And here's the Coon Creek Choir. Howdy, Howdy. And here they be, them scarecrows fresh from the cornfield, Happy Sinatra Uncle Howdy, Pappy Well, howdy, Uncle Hezzy Tell me, Pappy How many hairs onto a pig's face? Next time we shave, count them yes! <laughs> Uncle Terry, what has four legs and flies? A dead whore No, no, our table at dinner time Well, <laughs> well folks Now that we've laughed ourselves sick Happy <laughs> Sinatra and Uncle Hezzy Allen sing
10: I'm Listen here, all you sinners,
7: if you want to get to heaven, heaven, better get down on your knees and pray. All you gambling skinners, better quit saying 7-Eleven, get yourself prepared for judgment day. Open up them pearly gates Open up them pearly gates Open up them pearly gates for me Hallelujah, when you hear that the sound I'll be coming home open glass oh, Open up them pearly gates for me Open, up, open, open, open up them gates Open, open, open
6: Concerns the family table is important to us all, and here's a good example. Remember the letters F-N-E for flavor, nutrition, economy. Bluebonnet margarine gives all three, flavor, nutrition, economy. Think of it, not just one, not just two. Bluebonnet margarine gives you all three. You get flavored, delicious flavor, so fresh, delicate, and country sweet that it makes other foods taste twice as good. You get nutrition, proved nutrition. Delicious bluebonnet is a real food approved by nutrition experts. Rich in food energy and in vitamin A, too. And there's economy in using bluebonnet. It costs so little you can afford this, spread. it's a product of the makers of Fleischmann's Yeast. That fact alone tells you it's quality through and through. Remember, Blue Bonnet is the margarine that gives all three. Flavor, nutrition, economy. Ask for it tomorrow.
5: Thank you, Kenny. This is Fred Allen saying good night, ladies and gentlemen. Our guest next week will be Edgar Bergen and the biggest court this trial the of the National
1: here. Broadcasting. Thank you for listening. Tomorrow night, it's the Baby Snook Show, followed by The Saint.